Welcome to The Unapologetic Woman. I'm your host, Pyle Berry. With over a decade of a blended experience in clinical psychology and global leadership development, I've dedicated my career and life purpose to empower women to believe I deserve a seat at the table and it's about damn time. But how do you create synergy between who you are and how you lead? On this podcast, we address that inner critic holding you back, release narratives that no longer serve you, and explore how to use your leadership platform to make an impact around diversity, equity, and inclusion. Simply put, I cut out the bullshit. I'm here to share inspiration, practical tips, and have challenging conversations with other badass individuals who are shifting the narrative for all women. So let's stop apologizing for who we are and rise together as the unapologetic woman. So I want to ask you, And I want you to reflect on this. What is a strength of yours that you can confidently say you are incredible at doing? Something that comes very naturally to you, something that you have practiced, put a lot of time and energy into developing, something you've nurtured. What is that thing? What are those skills? What are those movements that you've made that you can say, wow, I really know this. I'm really good at this. A lot of times for individuals and specifically women, talking about what you are really good at and actually saying, you know what, I'm really good at this. Why don't I take a chance and work on this project or whatever it may be, is responded with a lot of, oh, oh, did she just admit that she's really good at that? And there's this mis- conception that when someone is confident, we describe it as arrogant. And arrogance is when someone who believes that they're really good at something, but that they're going to put others down about it, right? So whatever that skill is that you're really good at, and you may be one of the best at it, there's no denying that. But are you using that position to make others feel less than, to make yourself feel better? What is it that you're compensating that is actually leading to arrogance? So today I want to really dive into that. What is confidence versus arrogance? Because I see this a lot where, especially in my clients, where every time I've asked them to tell me a strength of yours, talk to me about something that you're really good at that you can share with me, they tend to get a little shy they tend to get nervous. They tend to feel a little uncomfortable fidgeting in their chairs because they don't feel comfortable to say, yeah, I'm really good at the work that I do. And you know, this is why I bring in this kind of income, or this is why I left corporate and I'm doing what I'm doing, or this is why I have been promoted in corporate because of the strengths that I bring into and the value that I add. And that confidence felt so uncomfortable around others because we have been trained, we have been as a society told to be humble, to have humility. And I want to engage in that as well because I believe very strongly that the way that the words are defined and the way that we actually use them are very different. Having humility and being humble and being grounded is, again, what somebody who is arrogant wouldn't be doing. So they wouldn't necessarily be out there putting other people down. They would be very confident 
with who they are. They would be very comfortable and very secure with the skills and the value that they add and their strengths and incongruence with even their lifestyle decisions that they don't feel the need to get that validation from everyone else and also to let everybody know that they are the best. It's when someone is out there screaming on top of the lungs, like, hey, look, I'm the best at this and you know, I'm better than you and I'm better than you and I can teach you because I'm better than that. Well, that is someone who is trying to convince themselves as well, right? They're dealing with their own level set of insecurities. Confidence, you know, isn't also necessarily someone who is an extrovert that's charming and charismatic and out there. And this is another misconception is that how does confidence look? Confidence can be quiet. Confidence can be loud. Confidence can be engaging. Confidence can be invisible meaning the person isn't necessarily out there in the limelight. Confidence is being in full alignment with yourself. It's being able to say no because you know and you're so secure that this, whatever project, initiative, launch, collaboration, friendship, relationship isn't going to serve you. You know, I took a chance on myself because I believe in myself. I took a chance on building a business, being in full alignment with my purpose as a mindset coach and speaker. And this was something that I remember was where I felt like, you know, a misfit as I've called it in the past and someone that just wasn't being used to my best abilities because I know one of my strengths is that I know how to connect with people. I know how to build relationships. I know how to create warm, inviting spaces for people to open up. I am an empath myself. And this is something that I feel very, very committed to is to create kind spaces filled with compassion so that I, as a coach and I, as a speaker can connect and inspire and activate that part of my clients to motivate them to actually own up to their own strengths and give themselves compassion and kindness and show up with balanced empathy. And when I was in corporate, I remember first, you know, just transitioning even from nonprofit and working as a clinical therapist. And then I moved over into corporate land. And of course, you know, there is that natural part of having to prove yourself, doing the work so that you get to do more work that you're excited about, move up, all of that, et cetera, right? But the thing is that whenever I would tell my managers that, look, these are my strengths. I know I can do this. I know, like put me in a position of a facilitator instead of designing content behind the scenes, you know, I'd get like, okay, okay, yeah, but you know, I need you to do this first. And It was always a, sure, yes, I totally believe you, but how about this one thing first? And I wasn't in full alignment with my role and my project, and it just felt like I was always working towards something, but it wasn't working towards something that I knew that I could really add value to necessarily. It was something that I knew I could do well, and it was okay, and I was doing my role, and I was doing my work, but getting the attention of my leaders to really pay attention to oh, so when Pyle says that she's really good at this, she's really good at this. And I remember I had one manager who actually gave me the opportunity and believed in me and trusted me. 
And I got to actually facilitate. I started to coach. I started to have those conversations with higher executives. But then when I changed companies and I moved into a different place, you know, it was because of whatever the political system was internally, it was really hard for me to actually execute the skills that I had and the strengths and to really focus from a place of my strengths. You know, I would constantly be convinced why the role I was working on was so much better than the role that I actually wanted to do. And it was really because they needed me in that role to fill it and to do the work that I was doing. And it didn't make any sense to them to share me with the other group that also saw my value and see that like, hey, she could be really, really great here. And I was in alignment with them too. Anyways, even growing up and through these work experiences, it felt like there was even this like deeper sense of me wanting to say like, and scream almost, right? Like, I can do this. I am really great at this. And what happens is that it starts to feel like you're being arrogant or that you don't have humility because you know your strengths, but you're being questioned about it. And so you're just not sure. And then you start talking about how I'm so good at this because there's a misalignment with the work that you're doing and how you're showing up and how you're speaking with what it is that you really want to do. Because if you really do disclose what you want to do, or you disclose the strengths that you have, and if it's not in alignment, then it may create all this other mess. It's just a whole thing, right? And I'm curious how many of you have felt that. Well, one of the things that I also knew that I was really great at, and I am good at, is I am a macro thinker. I'm a strategist. I love looking at gaps. I love identifying. I'm an entrepreneur at heart. And so I took a chance on myself and I quit and I started my own business and I pursued what I know I can passionately build. I got to focus on the one thing that I'm really good at, and that's being a mindset coach and speaker. And I know that this is the area, this is the container that I can serve my clients. I can work with women who struggle with boundaries, who struggle with self-doubt, who struggle with values alignment, and who tend to be highly empathic. And so they sacrifice themselves continuously. And I knew I could work with them because I am them. I knew I could help them and guide them into the space where they feel more confident and they don't feel arrogant or uncomfortable speaking their voice and knowing very clearly what they're good at. Because guess what? When you as a leader, regardless if you're in corporate or regardless if you are an entrepreneur, when you are starting to bring people into your team, you need to know first what you are really good at. You need to be able to speak to that. And you also need to know what are your shortcomings and what are things that are just like, it doesn't matter how much you try, it just will not get through to you. And once you can identify that, then you can start hiring people and they are in their zone of genius for that. You know, this confidence and this incredible conviction in knowing my strengths is what's let me be a successful speaker and coach. And my humility comes from me being able to know and recognize that no matter how many books, YouTube videos, whatever it is that I watch on sales and marketing and all of that, 
I'm never going to be as good at it because that's just not my area of genius. I'm really not that great at writing sales copy. And that's why I hire a copywriter. I didn't know the first thing about sales in this entrepreneurship world. And so I brought on a sales coach, someone who is truly incredible in what she does. And that is where I recognize what my strengths are. I can talk to it. I can say, and I know very clearly, hey, this is how I can help people. This is how I add value. Everything else, I don't know. And it's okay. I don't need to be good at everything. No one can be great at everything. And this is really the difference between arrogance and confidence is that when you are confident, you know, like, Hey, I got this great. I don't know all this other stuff. So let me get my resources. Let me get my help. Let me redirect my career in a way that it's aligned in things that I'm good at. So that I don't necessarily feel imposter syndrome at every waking moment. Cause that's what happens. Imposter syndrome isn't just something that happens when you get promoted, when you move into something that's brand new, but you can feel imposter syndrome when you don't know enough about a field, when you don't know enough about a specific role. If you are doing a type of work that just doesn't come naturally to you and everyone around you is actually thriving in it and you're feeling so left behind because it just doesn't come naturally to you, that is not you as a fraud. That is not you as someone who's not smart and intelligent and has it all together. That is just someone who is not in alignment with where you are meant to thrive and where your genius is. So the difference between arrogance and confidence is someone who is confident and can have humility. You have confidence in your ability to achieve future goal, but also humility to question whether you have the right tools. And this is something Adam Grant said. So this is a direct Adam Grant quote. And what he's also studied is, and he mentions this in many of his interviews, he talks about an example that there is a difference between arrogance and confidence and someone who is confident can truly have humility. You can have confidence in your ability to achieve. And he gives entrepreneurs like Sarah Blakely as an example that, you know, many entrepreneurs and founders alike have a lot of confidence and humility at the same time. So Sarah Blakely has the confidence in her product. She is truly convinced from when she was getting started, you know, in her apartment that she talks about. She was truly convinced that her product was necessary. She believed in herself. She knew that she has an incredible product. And she also knew and had the confidence that she's a quick learner and that she can develop those skills. And the humility is where she recognized what she doesn't know and what she still needs to learn. And that's the difference is that leaders who exhibit confidence are those who are very comfortable and knowing very clearly what their strengths are, what their weaknesses are, and the humility and knowing that they can't achieve their goals alone. They're ready to hire for their weaknesses, which means knowing very well what you're not good at so you can hire someone who's excellent in those skills. This means being comfortable with not being good at everything. There is this misconception of an entrepreneur who is like, I did everything on my own and, you know, I DIY'd it and I didn't have to hire anyone. Well, sure, there is that. And absolutely, you can go for it. 
And there's also the opportunity to recognize, like, I want to focus on what I want to do. I will tell you, in the earlier stage of my entrepreneurship, it is exhausting. It is absolutely exhausting to have your hands as an accountant, as a marketer, as a salesperson, as a content developer, as a business developer, as a coach, as a speaker, as everything. You are literally doing everyone's job in once. And initially, that is kind of how it works because you have to understand all these pieces. But then when you're at that point, when you can start to bring somebody on, you can have a virtual assistant, you can have a marketing coordinator, whether it's a contractor or whether it's an employee, it doesn't matter. But when you can start to evaluate, like maybe even before you get to the team section, you hire a bunch of coaches. So what happens is that at one point, you've got more coaches that are helping you. And at certain point, those coaches actually get substituted or supplemented instead, not supplemented, substituted for your own team, right? So now you don't necessarily need a sales coach because you have a sales coordinator who's working for you. You don't need a marketing coach because you have a marketing coordinator who's working for you. So you start flipping those roles. But at any given point, you have someone who is building because as an entrepreneur, as a leader, as in corporate, it doesn't matter. You cannot operate on your own. And, you know, a lot of times when people think, oh, well, that person doesn't have humility. Well, if they're arrogant, they don't have humility. But if they're confident, you absolutely can. Because humility is about recognizing what you're not good at. It's recognizing like, hey, I need help here. Someone who is arrogant or someone who has very deep insecurity and needs to prove that I can do it all on my own because of trust issues or whatever else may be coming up that individual may be reluctant to hire a coach or hire anyone and try to do it all themselves. But what happens is you burn out, you get exhausted because your brain is only functioning in multiple ways that it's not necessarily made to function in, or at least have the zone of genius for you. So leaders who are showing their humility is because they are comfortable with not being good at everything, like I mentioned earlier. And that is where you bring in people. That is where then you respect other people's craft. You're not feeling insecure by or threatened by someone else being really good at one piece. In fact, thank you for being so great at what you do because you're helping me and you're helping our team be successful. Now, arrogance or overconfidence can be so detrimental. Often, this is a symptom of shame, highly dependent on ego protecting you and success that shifted your perspective on your ability to do well. And when we exhibit qualities of arrogance, we limit growth for ourselves and limit the relationships and connections with us. Why? Why is that? Well, when we begin to act like we know everything, it prevents us from keeping up with current trends. You give up your competitors an edge who will more than likely learn your gaps better than you will. Because you're not willing to reflect and question what is working and what is not working. With overconfidence and arrogance, any sign of weakness, regardless if that's in the company operations, team function, product offers, feels like it's a personalized reflection of yourself. So it becomes hard to detach and separate yourself from it because it's your identity to prove that you're successful. If any part of your business, any part of your team fails, this immediate level of shame, embarrassment, you know, you feel exposed, all of that shows up because you're so attached to it. You're not able to look at it from a place of, okay, let's take a step back and let's look at what went wrong here. What were the gaps? What are the data showing? How can we move forward? It's not then about, you know, this failed because you didn't know what you were doing. 
It didn't work because there wasn't clear communication, because there was miscommunication on things, because people weren't being upfront, because the product just, it wasn't, maybe we didn't listen to the audience long enough, whatever it is. And the other piece about arrogance is that when we are overconfident and arrogant, we stop learning, right? So someone who is confident and has humility is someone who is always engaging in some form of learning. Every leader out there that you know, you've know you seen, whether it's Obama, whether it's Sarah Blakely, whether it's Richard Branson, you know, all of them are continuously talking about how they're always reading. Adam Grant is putting out his 20 books of the year that he's focusing on and reading because it helps you really innovate. It helps you have more thought leadership over what is it? What are the gaps here? What is your perspective on all the trends that you're learning about? That is your thought leadership. And when you are arrogant or when arrogance arises, then what really is that it becomes this notion that if I read something, then that means I didn't already know it. And I need to show that I know it because I need to prove that I'm smart. I need to prove that I'm intelligent. I need to prove that I belong here. And that I ask is what's going on internally that makes you feel like you're not good enough? That made you feel like I need to prove that I'm intelligent versus your work is showing it for you. This makes a difference. So somebody who is learning makes a great leader because you are open to the fact that you're growing. And when you are arrogant, you believe only a certain type of person will be able to share your goal. And this is an innocent seeming difference, but it ultimately becomes something that will wrap your ability to make good decisions. So what I mean by that? Well, when you dismiss someone in response to them dismissing your idea, you can feel as if you've taken back some of your power, right? So from an arrogant perspective or a perspective of someone who's showing up that says, I can do it all and I can do it better. And let's just say that someone else gave you some feedback and said, hey, you know, I think there may be a different way to do this. You take it as a personal attack and immediately start dismissing that they are of worthiness to even give that. And what happens is with the problem with arrogance is that it makes your world smaller because you start dismissing more and more people that they're incapable of understanding your idea, that the easier it becomes, you know, to do it again and again of dismissing more and more people. And you create a category that they fit into. And when you assess a new person, you turn attention to yourself. And instead of sitting down with someone to search for common ground, you sit down with them and try to rapidly figure out whether they have a predisposition to understand anything that you're telling them, or if they're going to be in the bucket where you're going to dismiss them. In fact, like Adam Grant talks about this as common with new founders success as well of someone who gets a lot of success and starts to believe like, oh, I can do this on my own and others won't get it because they don't have the degree that I have or they don't have, you know, X amount of support and look at the success that I got at such a young age. And then boom, it goes away. Well, I know that, you know, when you graduate from your graduate program as well, right? Like I remember when I finished my master's and this was like the same notion that all of us new clinical therapists getting out of graduate school thought we knew it all. 
and this excitement behind it. And then you go into the new world, uh, the reality world, and you start working and you're like, oh, wow, okay. <laughs> well, what I mean by this is that, you know, you acquire new knowledge, you become successful, and now you think you can tell everyone else on how to behave and act. And well, you know, as a newly trained therapist for myself at that point, like this is 11 years ago at this point, I remember having a pretentious attitude towards people who called themselves like, you know, to be really transparent life coaches because it's like, oh, well, what do they know? Well, over time, my arrogance, and this is something that like new graduate students go through, new founders go through, you learn to get off your high horse and actually recognize that, you know, it's not necessarily about what the person's title is. It's not about that. It's about how passionate are they in the work that they're doing? How committed are they to learning? How committed are they to knowing that they have a strength that they can help someone? And are they doing it in an ethical way? Are they doing it with you know strong morals and high values? And when you are able to see others as a strength as well, and that we're all in this together, we're all trying to create a better world, you know, higher impact, help elevate people and individuals. Doesn't matter if you're a therapist, a mindset coach, a life coach, a financial coach, a relationship coach, whatever it is, that person has identified that that is their strength. And we as a community should celebrate each other. And in fact, when we are able to do that then, and we're able to heal those old wounds that we may have about ourselves and which limits us from accessing more knowledge, from learning more, then, you know, we're able to celebrate each other. We're able to not look at other people as a threat. We're able to actually recognize that when someone says, you know what, this is my strength. I am really, really great with numbers and I can help women founders and women entrepreneurs where finance tends to be a minority in terms of women really handling their own finances and knowing how to invest, et cetera, et cetera. And I can help that woman elevate, you know, I can help her feel more in control. Well, that is a strength and that is impressive and that is incredible because I can tell you that is not my world. That's not something I'm great at. And it's actually considered a sign of emotional intelligence when you can acknowledge your strength you can advocate for yourself by sharing how you believe your skills will contribute to the success of your team, your company, whatever may have you. When you are meeting an investor and giving an interview, being interviewed by media, that is not the time to keep your wins hush-hush. Keeping your accomplishments quiet and feeling awkward to share them is a sign of actually low self-regard, low self-confidence, a lack of happiness. And I know that's a truth bomb. I know that statement right there may make you feel really uncomfortable, but you might be thinking like, how is being humble a low self-worth? Well, no, those are two different things. But feeling uncomfortable to advocate for yourself, taking a compliment, believing you add value absolutely is a sign that you need to build your confidence because we've been told again for too long that if I say something really great about myself, that that means that I'm being arrogant. But when you're in that interview, they're wanting to know, well, why do we need to hire you? What do you bring to the table? And as you know, a woman leader, if you are not out there saying, I have won these awards, I have consecutively brought in X amount of money into this firm, I have launched a business two years ago and I went from X to X amount of money, I have served these many clients, this is the impact that we've had with them. If we can't talk about that, then we are dismissing ourselves 
And we are also doing a disservice to other individuals who may be looking for our services, but they don't know where to find us because we're not even able to speak to it. Well, as an entrepreneur myself, when I'm working with my team, we'll have a discussion about an upcoming project. We'll decide, you know, what are the important moving parts in this project? Where do we as a company want to focus our attention on and move the business forward or the brand forward? And this means showing up and everyone being able to vocalize what part of the project makes most sense for them to lead because of their strengths. I've often said I'm a better speaker than I'm a writer and I love writing, but it doesn't come as naturally to me to explain things as it does when I speak. And this is why I chose a podcast and doing IG lives and showing up on stories and speaking on panels and hosting workshops because I can share ideas off the cuff very easily, but give me a paper and pen and I'm stumped for hours. And this isn't arrogance or ego speaking. This is me knowing what my strengths are playing and playing to those strengths. So when I'm on a project with an organization and they ask me to write an article, I'll immediately say no, because I know that's not my strength. I will shift this into doing a workshop for them instead or speaking at an event for them. I know the impact I can make through speaking will be far reaching than writing a blog in my case. And see, when you are proud of your work, when you are confident in your capabilities and skills, you will be willing to accept those compliments because a compliment isn't necessarily to inflate the ego. It's a recognition. It's a validation. It's a knowing that when I say thank you, I appreciate this becomes more comfortable. It becomes comfortable to say no with confidence because you're not personalizing or worried that you're not capable of something. You know what you're capable of. And in fact, when I have potential clients coming to me, whether it's company consultations or whether it's individuals for coaching, if I intuitively feel that I can't actually give them what they want, I don't think that the services that I have are going to make sense. I have a whole roster of individuals that I know would be better for them. And I will send it their way. I will be like, you know what? I think that you are better off working. In fact, I just did this a couple of days ago. I had a client who was coming to me for some support and she's come to me in the past and we worked on it, but she wasn't really ready So she didn't necessarily implement everything. She's a sweetheart of a woman. She is kind. She's just a little lost in terms of her next career path, her transition. Well, I know how to do career coaching. I have done it, but my strength is within, you know, helping with mindset work and leadership. So I have a dear friend of mine who's a incredible confidence career coach, and I put them in touch. Because it wasn't, again, about, ooh, how can I build my income? It was about how can I make sure that this person feels the most impact? And when you work out of your integrity and you work out of your alignment, that becomes a more solid relationship with yourself and with them. Because then you know, and your clients know that you're really working out of their best interest. So when you have the confidence and when you see what confidence is and looks like, Confidence truly is you knowing yourself and being able to say when the timing is right and when you're in a position to, to acknowledge it, to say thank you, to take the compliment, to detach yourself from the outcomes of and the results of products or services or, you know, a launch not going really well. That is an opportunity for you to learn, for you to take a step back, for you to reevaluate, for you to reposition, and for you to look at who are my resources and how can I invite them in to help me pivot, grow, learn, build my confidence. And that is humility. 
Humility isn't dismissing yourself. It's not devaluing yourself. It's not putting in justifications or a, you know, I'm good at that, but, or, well, I got that, but anyone could have gotten that award. No, you got that award because you deserve that award because you worked for that award and because you have achieved that award. You were recognized for it. And that is what we need to really work on. So what can you do? You can stop attaching yourself to your product, your service, the outcome. If you remain stuck on this, you'll never ask the questions of what else can we do to improve it? Surround yourself with people who play devil's advocate. One of my best friends, she is the devil's advocate queen. When I need to really run something by and I just am not thinking about it in a straight way, I will call her because she will always have a devil's advocate position. The more you believe in surrounding yourself with these type of people, whether it's a devil's advocate, whether it's a strategist thinker, whoever people are different from you, the more healthier of an ego you'll have, the more confident you will be, and the better your leadership will show. And of course, you know, you don't want this every single time, but when you're in a position to talk to someone who you feel safe with and there isn't shame carried, but ask them, you know, what are their thoughts? Someone who plays, you know, the role in your life that can help you really identify what you may be leaning too much into, what you're leaning away from. Having those people around you is gold. And of course, normalize talking about wins and your part in the project accomplishment and set up post-project meetings where you discuss and reflect on where improvements can happen, where was the gap. But in that meeting, do not forget to also discuss and talk about, hey, I recognize that you really did this well. I recognize that I did this really well. And because of that, we were able to really feel good about this part of our project. So let's now focus on the part of the project that didn't go well. It's not about, you know, making it fluffy. It doesn't mean that by acknowledging the good, we're softening the blow on the bad. That's not what it is. It's by empowering yourself, by recognizing the wins, you build a confidence to also then stay detached from the outcome and look at the areas of improvement. And if this is something that, you know, you want to develop and you want to grow in, start with once a day, just writing your win. What is something that happened today that I am so proud of? Make it an internal thing. You know, I am proud that I was able to you know, I've been working on procrastination for just putting out a hypothetical example. I've been working on to stop procrastinating as much. And so I'm so grateful that today I have made a list that was more realistic and I was actually able to accomplish 90% of that list today. And that is huge. Start with the small things. Start with acknowledging like, wow, I'm starting to pay attention to my body energy when I'm engaged in certain parts of work and when my body isn't engaged in other parts. This is giving me attention to where I really do feel like I bring value. Doing those couple things a day will make a huge difference. So when we talk about confidence and arrogance, remember that you being in alignment with yourself, you knowing your strengths, and you being able to show up to add value through that is not arrogant. It's you confident in alignment with yourself and grounded and secure. Thanks for listening to the unapologetic woman. 
If you like what you heard today, then please subscribe so you'll get real-time updates when I post a new episode. And if you really believe that others should be hearing this, then leave a rating or review this episode so others can find it too. And if there's something you'd really love for me to cover or highlight, then head over to my Instagram account at Pileberry. DM me to let me know. I'm all ears. If you want free resources, practical tips, and inspirational stories that I share with my clients, visit pileberry.com and subscribe to my newsletter. You'll get them all. Until then, take a moment to celebrate your journey, reflect, and be ready to embrace your next epiphany.